When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Ken. So, Eastwatch, I don't expect it to be like a slaughter like at Hardhome. I, I don't expect that. I do expect uh, John and whoever was with him to definitely put up a very good fight. You know, there's still, you know, there's that shot that was in the original trailer that has Beric with uh, the flaming sword, which IKA could very well be Lightbringer. I'm still waiting for that scene to happen. It could very well happen in um, Eastwatch, and I'm sure, sure he would put that sword to very good use, even though. I do agree with you, he probably would die in the battle, but I, I expect more of an even type fight. I don't expect it to be a slaughter like at Hardhome. Dilly Thrones, it's John Meets Dragon Day. Can you believe it? I know. Can't wait. Fight. Oh my god, Ken, this episode should have been called Reunion, not Eastwatch. My god, were there so many reunions. We got Tyrion and Jamie, Jura and. Danny, Gendry with Davos, Gendry with the Brotherhood of El Banner. So many reunions in this episode. Not a big battle like a lot of us thought because the episode was in fact titled Eastwatch, but definitely a lot of stuff going down in this episode. Like when Gilly started reading, I was like, oh my god, this, this is unbelievable. Um, you know, Drogon liking John. you know, that was very, very cool and just wow. All right, Ken, about a uh, kind of a controversial decision here. Uh, what do you think about calling this episode East Watch? I know the whole goal was to get to East Watch because that's where the Army of the Dead is headed. But uh, we are literally in East Watch for about, what, three minutes of the episode? And it's the last three minutes of the episode. Uh, a little premature to call this episode East Watch, don't you think? I think so. Uh, this should have been called something, just something else, because <laughs> this had very little to do with Eastwatch at all. Uh, it was more of a, more of a recap of the uh, previous episodes. Uh, you know the incidents of what happened there. The uh, yeah, it shouldn't have been called Eastwatch. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, but it was an okay episode, I guess. All right, Daily Thrones fans, we are here reacting. Initial reactions coming in for Eastwatch, and the general consensus is this should have been titled Eastwatch. Kind of a misleading title, and it got us all worked up for a big battle that's not yet coming. But I think it would be easy to call this episode, I don't know, a disappointment, but it's not. It's actually rich with a lot of things going on. Compared to last week's heart-thumping, chest pumping craziness this is a slow roasted episode with a lot of wonderful little morsels and i think when you put the show together like a big giant puzzle and go back and watch it again this one will be an episode of revelations and reunions uh we got uh, jorah coming back you know that makes me happy but then it also makes me sad because now he's heading to east watch and i don't like his fate we got uh 
uh, Tyrion and Jamie, Tyrion and Bronn. Uh, we got uh, Danny and John and the Dragon. Uh, clearly, at this point, Danny's got some feelings for her nephew. We'll see if that changes when she learns that that's the case. But obviously, Drogon and Jon Snow having a moment is something that could be very important down the line. As is Gilly getting ignored. Finding out a giant piece of information that Prince Rhaegar had his uh, marriage to Elia Martell annulled and secretly wed to Lyanna Stark. That would make Jon Snow not a bastard of any kind. Wonder how that will factor in at all. Good job, Sam. You've been a hero for most of the show, but you didn't slow down to listen to Gilly this time. And Sam leaving the Citadel is pretty big, too. Then there's uh, one of my favorite things, which is Littlefinger and Arya. Arya and Sansa, the tension which we thought would be brewing is definitely percolating even more, but Littlefinger has been slipping all season. We've been saying that. He looks like he's floundering. Bran is uh, catching him off guard with chaos as a ladder, but just when you think Littlefinger was on the way down, he is in control. That's what he does so well. Actually, one of my favorite moments of the season so far is him lurking in the shadows and getting Arya to do exactly what he wanted to do. I have not had a chance to slow down and freeze frame that message to see what Arya has quote-unquote learned, but I'm sure that will emerge and I'll get a chance to do that again tonight. Um, Bran seeing the army of the dead got me pretty excited in that kind of we know what's coming, as did seeing Eastwatch in the opening credits. I geeked out at that. Uh, almost uh, should be ashamed for how excited that made me, but I'm sure I'm not the only one. We're all leading up to uh, Eastwatch. We got Gendry, I mean, which is that's another interesting reunion. And I love that we have Baratheon and Stark, sort of, yeah. Uh, Ned and Robert version two. I love that Gendry has the Warhammer, and I find it interesting that he's going to put it put it up to put it in use up there north of the wall. Now, Brienne, a lot of people might think Brienne should have been on this uh, all-star team, but that just means she has a better chance of surviving and factoring into a bigger story. I still think you'll see her and Jamie involved in something there. And of course, Jamie, he's got some tough decisions on the uh, way. Where's his loyalty lie? Uh, is it to his brother? It is to his uh, sister, who's his lover, and also the mother of another child. That's right. Cersei pregnant is a development I never saw coming, as is her play to play it like Tywin. Make some sort of arrangement with the Dragon Queen and see where they can take that and use it to their advantage later on. And what about that Dragon Queen? I love the stuff with the Tarleys. I don't like that Dickon and Randall Tarley were burned to death. Well, Randall might have deserved it a little bit. Dickon seemed like he had a potential to be a nice enough guy, but they made their choice. This goes to the big question. Is Danny channeling Aegon or the Mad King? I say more and more it's Aegon. In the behind-the-scenes after the episode, I like how uh, Betty Hoff and Weiss were talking about this scene, how Danny is doing exactly what she said. I'll give you mercy, bend the knee, follow me, or I'll kill you. Burn you. So, when they don't, she does exactly what she's promised. She's being strong, not necessarily mad. I, uh, it's brutal, but and I know it affects Tyrion because these are kind of, uh, you know, the men of Westeros that he knew and in some cases loved, so it might be tough for him. But I think Danny is doing more what Aegon did in conquering six of the seven kingdoms and eventually all seven than she is doing uh, channeling her father, the Mad King. We got a lot of things building up. I love this episode. It wasn't as exciting, but sometimes those Game of Thrones slow-roasting cat-and-mouse episodes 
in the long run are better than some of the big splashier things. But next week, I'm sure we'll have some exciting stuff going down. The Night King cometh. The big battle is almost here. My favorite part of the whole episode was Davos trying to sell fermented crab. And the fact that he made a rowing joke to Gendry. Davos for the win. Hi, Ken. I'm so conflicted right now because everybody's been talking about how Littlefinger has been slipping and, you know, looking like he's going down this hill. But let alone, here comes this episode where he gets back up. He gets back to his scheming in the shadow ways, just like you said. I love Sansa. I love Arya. This reunion of theirs has got to me and I can't see this sisterly bond break. It is hurting me. I am so sad that Arya is falling into these schemes that Littlefinger is setting up. And it, it just sucks because she is so good at it. She's so good at sneaking and finding out information. And it's getting it's going against her and she's fighting Sansa and oh I don't want this to happen hey Ken just another thought so a lot of uh news outlets are showing what exactly the letter was that Arya retrieved from Littlefinger's uh chamber and bed and what it is actually it's fascinating it's the letter that Cersei made Sansa write to Rob in season one you know, come to King's Landing to bend, you know, the knee to Joffrey. It's it's that letter. Now, why does Littlefinger want Arya to have that letter? Obviously to cause some kind of conflict, of course, but fascinating stuff. All right, we got calls coming in, and uh, Christina's got the first call talking about Arya and Sansa and this heartbreaking reunion gone bad and Baelish. As we mentioned earlier tonight, and uh, let's dive into it now. Baelish, he's not slipping. He's just waiting for an opportunity. Chaos is a ladder. He doesn't care if Bran knows that. He's still going to create chaos. Now, could Bran maybe sit Arya and Sansa down and say, Hey, here's what's going on. I'm watching this from my little tree. I don't know. He's too busy staring at the Night King, which was a great moment too, by the way. One that was from the trailers, but in the context of the show was awesome. But back to Arya and Sansa. This is, uh, let's not forget, this is how they were when they last left each other. Season one, they didn't get along. They were sisters who squabbled, sisters who fought, sisters of, you know, same blood, but different styles, different ilks. Sansa is the lady. Arya is now the Batman of Westeros. And here she is trying to be like Batman, doing a little detective work, and she falls right into Littlefinger's trap. And Eric called in with the first reports. I haven't had a chance to look, but it looks as though what Baelish wanted her to find was the letter that Cersei made Sansa write all the way back in season one asking Rob Stark to bend the knee. It was something in Sansa's hand, but as Catelyn Stark said, Sansa's hand, Cersei's word, Cersei's tongue. So this is obviously going to uh, create that chaos, going to wedge that divide a little bit more between Arya and Sansa. And Arya bit off a little bit more than she could chew. She's good at killing. She's good at sneaking around and killing. Well, maybe this would have been in time to put on one of them faces she's so good at wearing. Baelish knew right away. And what a wonderful pull from Baelish. You gotta, you gotta respect this guy. And I know a lot of people just plain out root for this guy. I know a lot of people that like Baelish. 
In a world of dragons and ice and fire and swords and daggers, Baelish remains using his mind. It's pretty impressive. What do you guys think is going to happen? What will this stolen Raven's Note do to Arya? What will it cause her and Sansa to do to each other? Is this going to be a power struggle that will break apart House Stark before it has a chance to really fully let me know here on Daily Thrones? Hey, Ken, I just finished watching this week's episode and, you know, typically amazing episode by Game of Thrones. Once again, I'm blown away. Um, I love these episodes. I'm kind of partial to them. The ones that are a little quieter and there's a little more plot development and a little um, furthering of individual characters' storylines. And getting to see the return of Gendry was an absolute fanboy moment for me when Davos turned to Tyrion and said he had business in Fleabottom. Uh, I lost my mind and was, like, jumping off the couch like a child. Um, <laughs> the, this episode just is, is another one of those those kind of unassuming, quiet Game of Thrones episodes that, at first glance, if you weren't watching the show and that was what you were introduced to, you might be like, okay, this show's kind of boring. But as a fan, as someone that's watched these and you're invested in these characters, these are the episodes that I think we as Game of Thrones fans live for. So thanks for taking the call, Ken. Have a great night. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Also, do you think Cersei is telling the truth about her pregnancy? I have my doubts. Thoughts? Just rewatched this episode for the second time. A lot to unpack. Director Matt Shakeman, who did such a great job with the big action last time, does an amazing job, perhaps even better the little moments and the little details I think uh, one of my favorite sequences has to be again Arya being outsmarted by Littlefinger but I want to concentrate on Cersei and the baby. Cersei really pregnant. I'm already seeing people doubt this that this could have been something she's doing to get Jamie back into the fold sensing that Jamie is uh, falling away from her. Uh, while that's certainly possible Cersei does seem to have that kind of ability to make that kind of maybe a questionable decision to pretend but eventually she knows she can't keep that lie up for long so I believe Cersei is pregnant I believe she has another child on the way and we know Cersei protecting her children sometimes a very powerful Cersei so that could be interesting but what I find most interesting in the scene is at the very end you know, Jamie's concentrating on this saying people won't like that she gives the line about what did our father say he responds of course with the line does not concern itself with the opinion of the sheep as they hug and embrace Cersei very clearly says never betray me again I think to me proof that Jamie is going to betray her again Valencar or not I don't think this is a happy reunion a happy coming together of a new mother and father uh, and brother and sister. Um, I think something's going to happen there. A lot to read into. A lot to unpack in this episode. Your guys' calls are going to help me do that all through the week as we get ready for the main event next week. Next week, episode 6 is basically our episode 9 of this shortened season. So this Eastwatch battle or whatever's going to happen beyond the wall could be something pretty exciting. So what do you guys think? Is Cersei faking it? Is Jamie going to betray her? Danny doing the right decision. What's going on? Unpack this episode Eastwatch with me here on Daily Thrones.